Good morning and welcome. Let's see if it's on. Let's see if this is on. Good morning and welcome. This is Pastor Tavo DRC, the overseer, prophetic founder of the DFW Leader Online Ministry Fellowship. This is for the body of Christ. We are the kind and style Ephesians crossbody true unity, very diverse into community, and we're for as a resource as an outpost. This is an outpost for all the people that need to, they feel they're in a pickle. They're in some kind of pickle. They haven't quite found anybody else that addresses some of the needs of the doctrine down in the grassroots in ministry and where they live, Christian ministry. So every time I speak, I submit it as a sila, not as a dogma, hardcore concrete, because like P Apostle Paul, he's my mentor, role model. Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he always commended and praised the Jews who were Bereans. He called them noble Bereans for picking apart what he said, even his teaching, to see if it really lined up with the Word of God. So we give you our permission and bless you in that. Ours is nobody has to know it all, nobody can know it all. If we disagree, and there's plenty we can disagree upon, it's how we choose to disagree to represent the Lord, to represent unity and diversity in the body, to let everyone hear. So I'm submitting this as a selah. And when God has sent me to do this, I come with a long background of lifelong learning and giving to the body of Christ. So there'll be more peace and unity, harmony against racism, all kinds of bias. And so I was raised in the Deep South. I thought it was the Deep South. I was born in Alabama, but didn't stay there long. We went up to Kentucky for my father to go to graduate, graduate from the Louisville, Kentucky Seminary, Baptist Seminary. And then we moved up to Virginia. And I had thought Central Virginia, where I lived there 30 years, was under the Mason-Dixon line, so it qualified as Deep South, but it was not until I went to Dallas-Fort Worth for 15 years, 2005 to 2020, right when COVID started, that I realized this is that was really Deep South. <laughs> so I learned a lot and about relationship respect, got a lot of training to teach, and then we're back here in a more comfortable, uh, I guess you'd say warm, good neighbor, friendly East Coast, which is South Carolina, North Carolina border. I'm in Fort Mill. Our office headquarters are Rock Hill, the outpost, but we move on up and down whenever we need to move up there to South Park, Charlotte, Fort Mill, and anywhere. And we're online for anybody who has a need to speak, be mentored. We're trying to overcome the concept of shepherding, Western European Levitical patriarchism, whelp, which is a false teaching within a lot of good Holy Spirit, even great moves. But we're trying to replace that with doctrine that will model the hero of the good shepherd who gives life to his sheep. The good shepherd, the office prophet of Isaiah 11, 2 and 3, who would not judge by the sight of his eyes or make decisions by what he heard. He would not use his gifts incorrectly. He was also filled with all of God's seven powerful Holy Spirits without a big ego, without a need to be correct or precise, you know, he wasn't a invasive prophet. He could perceive or seer, but he would not use it with false teaching, the scowl of false doctrine and critical 
accusation for a Phariseeism. He wouldn't go into witchcraft pharmacia. He would not do anything weird, which is what going into the occult, like what we've been noticing in a lot of places. That would rob Holy Spirit and make it more of a person, human carnality going into false era in the dark part of the Holy, not the Holy Spirit, the unholy spirit, dark power. So we can teach against that we're not on, we're teach on spirit of prophecy, hope to make it wholesome, defrag the accusation or the spookiness and make it down to earth, relatable and relationship, equal opportunity, real respect for the office of every human made in God's image. And God has sent me as sort of a prototype to really defy all the legalism typecast, especially of the well, of these kind of movements that are white, that have a real thing about certain types of females or certain types of people with a different energy. We're not, we colonial, we are more diverse. So he sends us out, each one of us, you and I, we have no clue where we're going to go in our life. You could be the test. Your earth suit, your packaging, your tailor-made handcrafted earth suit by God, male or female or whatever, and the form and the look and the energy, your culture can be a test for people to see if does it trigger bias, does it trigger relationship, does it trigger respect, are they humble, and then it could trigger it in you about them. Are some of these people, are you humble? Are you going to, you know, so we want to work on that. We're going to talk today about... The people, God's people, demanded a king. His sweet, dear folk in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel, the amazing, adventuresome, and the hugely epidemic paradigm shifting for a whole nation of the Hebrews. 1 Samuel is what we're talking about, but that's when we get over finally to uh, 1 Samuel 8, where it says that the people... God's people demanded a king, and so I want to lay foundations before I get there. We really enjoy the body of Christ. We've enjoyed where I've been going to fellowship in the last few weeks. It's been a great, <laughs> very respectful and refreshing. So if I mention certain kinds of doctrines in certain people groups, it's not there. <laughs> no, I wouldn't be there if it were not. If it were there, because I have to go right now. My spirit having walked the body of Christ, raised as a pastor's daughter, firstborn daughter, not under the law, not around backbiting, not around racism, not around gender bias, but whatever God says, like real Christians, you do what he says. If you're in a church, if you're in a house, if you're, you know, respectful persons, observes the boundaries. Then you sit there and you, you know, are respectful. And that's all I do. I sit there now to tell people that are not, that are in false doctrine, that accuses strangers or, you know, I don't know what's going on out here, the populace and TV media affected populace with a lot of showbiz, especially that type of thing in false prophecy and true. So I say now I'm sitting, you know, you assess somebody, don't accuse a first time person, black or white or brown or anything. You have, you're, you're touching God's anointed, a lot of you, or you really are out in the seats, sitting all up on the stage. So we're warning people. All right, so you look at how there you assess somebody. You don't accuse them. Then you watch them and monitor them because you don't know who you can trust, really, what they're really up to. And you just think, all right, I'm going to see if they measure James 3.17, the wisdom that comes from above. 
The wisdom that comes from above should be for all of us. The leader, the head leader, the staff, the, the handlers, whatever you got going, the mamas and the daddies and the children, all right? The wisdom that comes from above has got so many ways of using that verse. One is, are you discerning what you're hearing when you're listening out for the Lord, that subjective realm? where it could be fear or doubt, worry, or false teaching, you know. So this is great for that, but I'm going to use it for discerning a human sitting there, a human silently sitting there coming towards you or whatever in life. Do, if they're a Christian, do they represent role modeling the wisdom from above? All right, and do you, do I? It says the wisdom that comes from above is, first of all, pure peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality and without hypocrisy. No hypocrisy, no faking it, and no insincerity and no bias of any kind, all right? It's easily entreated. It respects somebody even if it has a difficulty with their theology, all right? This is for the whole bigger than you and me. It's for giving God glory, Ephesians 4 community, not that you're PC, not that you're compromising, but if you have a real bone to pick with them, you must respect them in the relationship for they have their right to be different based on Ephesians 4 common doctrine. But also if you feel it's that important that you are to get off your holy couch and you make an appointment and officially talk to them respectfully, easily entreated and tell them your point of view. And they are supposed to be, if they're educated and if they're true people, let you say it without jumping down. Easily entreated is like you're ready to hit somebody if they don't agree or gossip or go online and rant, all that stuff. The wisdom that comes from above is a great, healthy model for training, but it's also a healthy model to gauge your heart. It's a healthy model to say, do I really want to go to this fellowship? Can I see it? You know, it's a great one for modeling and married couples relationships because you both need to be, if you're going to commit to somebody who's married, you're going to make, or in a relationship closely, you want to make sure they have agreed to abide in James 3.17, even under pressure and stress and all sorts of stuff that goes on. And then you have to do the same and you can't really do this. We know we really can't do it because life is a lot of stuff. You have to do it with God's help. That's where the easily entreated, that's where the fruit of the Spirit come in that is mentioned in James 3.17. So you're mentioning, I, I, I feel like I'm ready to hit somebody, I'm ready to fight back, I'm ready to say something. And this is where the person has to go to God and believe for God's help and then actually have self-control. So when I look at the teaching of James 3.17 for our abiding relationship theology, that's our call here, and equal opportunity, real respect, E-O-R-R, -R, everywhere. All right. James 3.17 says the wisdom that comes from above, if it's really God, not got dark in it, it's going to be pure. That means no secret agenda, no dark arts, no, you know, hiding and clandestine, trying to get something, coveting. It's pure, all right? Peaceable. It works to maintain, like Ephesians 1, 1 and 3, Apostle Paul, it says everyone in the Christian community walking it out in meekness and lowliness and long-suffering, endeavoring with God's help to keep the bonds of peace. After It's self-management. It is really about, you know, the, the root 
of all government, of all church, of all authority is self-government. And that's where we're going to talk about the king. If, you know, first Samuel, all right. The wisdom that comes from above is first of all, pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy. Be kind one unto another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you. Ephesians 4.32, let's say, in the same community verse. All right. Forgiving one another, but also love is, excuse me, the wisdom of God is pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit. Now, this is the big one. In that one little phrase, good fruit, you can look at Apostle Paul in the Galatians 5, 23, fruits of the Spirit. They are love, God's love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, meekness, tenderness, you know, meekness, and then self-control, which is temperance and uh, so forth. So you want to go and say, God, I need more help with patience. I need more help with self-control. Now, some people, because I have dealt with people in my family before that had rage issues, raid issues. You cannot help somebody with a huge rage issue. It could be a spirit or a, you know, some kind of psychosis or mental health issue. So you can say at that point, everybody does their best to try to get along with God's help. Agree to that if you're going to be in a relationship legally wed. But if you have issues that are rage, it's usually because you can't help it. You were raised up by somebody who did things to you and other people. Don't feel bad. It's just now you need to know you need more help. So if you're a person that was raised, poorly raised or beaten or abused, and you have that anger in you, just forgive them. you got to forgive them. But then you got to take some steps maybe to get counsel, prayer, healing, deliverance and even if you need to medicine they're certain like bipolar and things you can't help that we're not going to be god or superior we don't seek outside help you know what i mean we're not going to be foolish we can learn uh, how to be great but self-control is a huge deal especially when i teach doctrine and i teach character because in my course of growing up i was grown up by a very healthy family no backbiting, no abuse, just respect, Christians having fun, mirth, joy, and everyone respecting their boundaries, and mom and dad got along, or lifelong mates, all right? So I thought, this is how it is. This could be like the Christians everywhere. When I was in high school, I made Jesus Lord of his life. I was a Jesus person, and then my testimony is that I went to college, got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's always been very gentle, nothing shaking, taking me over. It's just been a gift, a real gift. And then all these movements started to come on the scene in the 70s and 80s. So I graduated from college and I was always an evangelist, always trying to help people as a Jesus, you know, trying to do the work of the Lord. I wasn't in what they call professional ministry yet. So when I was in my 24, I was sitting in a church and all these movements that we now see TV everywhere were not big and famous, they were all little, you know, bits and trickles starting out in the grassroots. They started off as winds of doctrine. Some of these are really healthy and some have gotten taken and twisted and perverted into unhealthy. You know, we understand. So uh, when I was at 24, before all the mega and the TV, that was a more Billy Graham plus Holy Spirit plus down to earth, everybody's equal grassroots. And very smart people were 
you know, I'm a noble breed and I always check everything out. So nothing big to get my radar. <laughs> but when I was 24, I was seated in a church and the Lord put in my heart, I want you to study my doctrine, the people of my people who are born again and know the Bible, all colors. Study them and know their doctrines, their pet peeves, their red flag buzzwords, what their music is like, their style, and their leaders. And that's what I did. I had no clue it would turn into such a long and wild at times adventure. But because of Billy Graham, I happened to be that, you know, go back that far, and my parents and the normal Christian of a, with a holy fear of the Lord, respect for everybody equal, that is still there and probably my most anchoring and glad, thankful gratitude that I was able to picture that because I didn't know that Hollywood, TV, and all the things that have gone on that say they're, you know, and I'm for TV, I'm on TV, I'm really for it, it's blessed me, but I was sent not to be famous. I was sent in the grassroots. I was sent with the micro ministries all my life. My father was a micro minister, where it's out with the real people, which I think is the front lines, and I enjoy it, I'm happy with that. But I didn't realize the effect of mega ministry through the years and how it could take in good things can be taken, morphed and added a lot of things like showbiz, celebrity. I call it the uh, winds and the trends, the yeast of the fad you sees, the different fads and looks and selling things and all that, you know, making it more achievement and business and no fear of the Lord. So when I speak, I speak from a long life of God's grateful by his grace sent on this for such a time. And if you have any question about doctrines, that is my call, the maven of, <laughs> maven of apostolic theology. A maven is not a matron or a matriarch. I've been around those. I don't want to be with. But I am a maven, a connoisseur of doctrines. <laughs> I would not have thought. But... I can help you because when I was raised not a charismatic by no tongue talkers, we were still coming down from my mother and father's side, real Christians, the real deal. And they heard from the Lord and read the Bible, scholars, but they were led by the Spirit gently and quietly. I remember my parents just praying, you know, one day they came to get me and my sister at one point, they said, we feel God is telling us to move. Well, I was raised like that. My grandmother, it was just before tongue talker. So I have a very healthy respect for everybody, whether they speak in tongues or never will. My dad, who's probably the most humble and knowledgeable, but just loving representation of a real man in Christ, on and off the stage, not a patriarch, not famous, but I will never forget the love, anointing of love. And he died. When he died, he died unexpectedly. He was a teacher in Norfolk, Virginia schools in the inner city at the end. And he was young, 58. But he went to take his school children down to North Carolina to the Wright Memorial. And when he was walking up the Wright Memorial, he died, just went to heaven. And because of that, all of that hit the United, hit the up and down the East Coast, North Carolina, Virginia newspapers. We were living in Norfolk, Virginia. So all this news, the school teacher dies on the field trip, you know. Well, that caused me and our family to notice 
all the people, all the people came out to say, oh, he touched me. He, Brother Kimball was so loving and so, you know, wonderful. He was real tall, six foot four. But it showed me how valuable a no-name real Christian is and how they're needed right now. So when I think, and I was sent to Dallas, <laughs> I got into, uh, I was called into my own ministry in public ministry, as they say, back in the day in Virginia. And so I was teaching Bible study. It used to be just for women. I'm sent to all. And it was a really respectful assembly of God. And so, excuse me. And so I, um, it was when I was still learning, and we were all learning about the curve of coming famous Christianity. So I was there in this more rural. Now I lived in metropolitan, uh, cosmopolitan, Virginia Beach, Norfolk, which I really like. I am a cosmopolitan person. I really am. But I was not living, I was more in a landlocked central Virginia, which is more rural and country, you know. When I went to Dallas, I liked big and Charlotte, I like big. They think big, but it's still good neighbor. I like that combination. All right. So when I was learning, we were all learning. Anybody who's been there like this, from the 70s, the 80s, and 90s on up, you'll understand a lot of this. So what we don't want to do is say, oh, poor us, they did that, you know, we're so righteous, you know, we never made this. No, that's not it. We are saying nobody who could have started a movement back then in the 80s, and nobody, nobody famous now knew what was going to happen with TV, mega, numbers, then Hollywood, Facebook, fans, Twitter, Instagram, all this stuff of merchandising and then popular social media. Nobody could have known the effect of certain teachings, which I now call, I would say, if I, one of the things that has helped keep me alive and around is been knowing about the movement, some of these movements that are now fake, they're famous, such as faith, that some people, not them, I'm not saying anything about the top people, some of the people through the years have made huge fortunes and made big mistakes, horrible things. We understand. That's why I'm very careful about talking about the M word, money, ministry, <laughs> me, all those things, all right, by God's grace. That's why I think having a foot in normal as a my parent, you know, I didn't come up from all this. If you've been raised in it, you would know nothing else. All right, so I was back in the rural area, and I was there when the first, this is for Facebook, before cell phones, and all the media, Christian media, started glossy magazines, charismatic. See, I was praying and I believed in the spirit. I understood the faith message. I understood Holy Spirit, you know, different kinds. It was not big deal. It was like new to me as a Baptist, but it was real Christian and I was, you know, balanced. It wasn't flaky or anything to my knowledge. So I would go and I was with, if you put me in a category back then with the, the small Christian spirit-filled ministry. So therefore I would be invited to meetings and I always got around a whole area. So I'm sent to an area and more. So I would be invited, and you get to know different kinds and their styles. Tongue-talking had different doctrines, it turned out, in certain places, not the Holy Spirit, 
but the order that's what was my shocker i had no clue i was not ready for patriot shepherding i wasn't re ready for because i was still younger and far more laid back and unsuspecting as a pastor's daughter you think everybody's respectful you think everybody is like on the same page you're christian just you might want a book of acts more than the other that's all i thought it's doctrinal la layers that's my teaching out of this all right about government who's over who that was the first thing that is not baptist unless you're officially a baptist minister then you have your who's over who but it isn't who's over who watching everybody in the community to my knowledge or black people i don't see black people's do it only this kind but i was caught completely <laughs> doctrinally off guard and believe me i learned the hard way so now we can train people for this new move of god it's not a, just a white move it's not going to be only a white man or a black man or a black or white or brown movie. It's everybody's movie. It's not going to be just red state. It should be everybody hearing God and mauling him as he tells you to see fit. So we've been trying, excuse me, if I don't know why. When I start lately, I start to get in my nose itches or I don't know. But um, so we're going to try to teach cross body unity. That means after all these years, I teach defragging the law, which brings accusation, false teaching in the new testament times i teach book of ephesians 4 without compromise not being uh not being flaky but also not being a celebrity and i teach it so i can address people that may not ever want to speak in tongues and may really speak in tongues all to the max i can handle it even liturgy because it's not about one group as a stereotype, one subgroup, it's about the individual unique humans in that group is my market, niche ministry, basically. So we're for you to be hearing God for yourself, to be pure in heart. We're for you that you need to hear the Bible and read it for yourself, not just always swallow everybody's formula or their Kool-Aid or their thinking, no matter how wonderful you think they are. Don't swallow mine. You hear God for yourself. You know, we're for the every person, the every person. So when I'm training, I'm giving you my background, and I've thought about it many times. I've seen many times, many, many moves of God. In the, um, I've been, as the Lord led me, I was there for all these different kinds of revivals and outpourings and little churches and big churches when the faith movement started, when the revivals and the speaking in tongue and the you know passing out under the power and the Ruth Heflin glory and the vineyard and the missionary Baptist Church of God in Christ Vietnamese spirit filled I oversaw him for a year and a half so it's been God's grace but to me once you put a law in the group it takes the fun out it's not fun when you're around the law because they're always watching you and everybody else so this is what we're up to do whatever you want to do if it's in the Bible in the New Testament, but you got to hear God, and that's my main thing. This is not about one person's move of God. No, this is about everybody cooperating, and I'm we're collaborating. I'm a resource. Pick my brain. I have the online fellowship, DFW Leader Ministry Online Fellowship. I was sent to Dallas. Doesn't mean you're respected if you are sent somewhere but you can still be there with online so i'm still sent as an apostle one of the chief apostle teaching apostles to dallas mega country and all the others you don't have to live there you can go there 
if you're sent because sometimes you're there <laughs> to plant the work like an apostle, like a colony, a spiritual colony, and the natives are just full of it, full of themselves. So that is fine, and that's why God said, come on up here, enjoy yourself, enjoy your life in ministry. It's so much more respectful and not quite as hostile and mercenary to my knowledge. So, and more diverse, we're grateful for that good neighbor. That's what I want. So if I teach from this point of view of my own field and correct doctrine, it's because I've been around. You know, it took me years to get this bold, but when I realized out Dallas it was that bad and the nation was ready to, you know, go down before the election, way before the election, when I was getting grieved like the prophet, the office prophet sent to whatever I saw was going on and said it represented the Lord, and that was on a huge scale, I realized I'd seen pockets of it. I'd been sent around the nation. I'd seen clubs before, but never that many and that big. I'd never seen systems and legalisms and cult followers. I never had. I never had seen algorithm ministry. I'd never seen the blindness of cult following, creating like in famous face followers, not the famous face. They don't know it usually. I would not think that. It's the people that are now trained and inbred, and then they, uh, they quote the books they've read on the manuals forever and now they're like the clones and you can go in there and there's a new phariseeism of do not do this do not you know and then some of it is occult i didn't know this only holy spirit years ago when my dad died he had been a my family were very edu you know came from really educated background you wouldn't think about it we don't want to you know you don't that in my faith i don't care you know about that but my dad had been official everybody needs to know, an official seminary graduate, all right? So when my dad died, he passed away. Suddenly, my sister and mother felt the Lord lead them to move to Oklahoma to go to Bible college up there in college. So they went up there, and I would fly up there, and that's where Word of Faith was. I'd visit up there, and then I'd come back, and I was sent around my area, my own region, which was much darker back then. But I was a new mom and, you know, married and everything. And I'd say to the Lord when I get to go up there with all the, you know, burgeoning new move <laughs> and, you know, studying that, see the area of word of faith, uh, you know, I always take it with a grain of salt. That's all I do. I love what I see that's good. And I'm grateful for, I, I wouldn't be here without all that, with the healing, you know, just proactive things I've done in the past. I thank God for these people, all the different kinds, Holy Spirit, the word, black, you name it. I'm just grateful as many others probably surely are. Anyway, I was seeing people going to official school and I'd been to a BA in, in, uh, in Richmond. I'd gone to get my BA <laughs> and I'll be honest, excuse me, but I was so bored. I could barely get out. I got out, but it's like barely. I thought this is so dull. I'm sorry, it's liberal arts. Maybe they'd had something where, anyway, but bless them and honor them. But I was glad to get out. So when everybody started, like my roommates, everybody wanted to go to get their degree, and they wanted to get a higher degree, and they wanted to get two PhDs. I went, oh, my gosh, I don't, I don't want any more. So I didn't. So my mother and them, when Dad died, they went up to Tulsa, and they went and got their degree. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, back in the day, Lord, do I get to go to Bible college or seminary? And he said, no. I went, whoa. 
He said, and he gave me a verse, you will have no need that any man shall teach you, but the Holy Spirit will be your teacher. And I went, oh, okay, I'll do that. One time, right at the beginning, God had me take one course. I think it was Hebrews or it was one of those Hebrews or Acts. Anyway, I took it. And the, I enjoyed my course, and I was ready to sign up for another one. And the Lord said, no, I didn't take, tell you to take but that one. Whatever it was, I got, if I can remember it today, it's, it, I learned that there are six doctrines of the early church that are not in the common doctrine, but they were the basic ones, laying on of hands, repentance, baptism, which are the basic common practices of the church. Maybe I would never have known it had I not taken that course. But other than that, it was by Holy Spirit, time with the Lord, forced prison-like isolated circumstances, things that I didn't foresee and want to go through. But when I was there, I thought, hey, this is like Paul. He went to prison. <laughs> this is like Paul. He endured and suffered for the sake of the gospel, and he did it for the Lord. Paul was not famous. When you realize all the things you think about fame, all the people we think, oh, Paul, yeah, famous mega Paul. Famous Paul, he was not even wanted by the first 12 apostles that were mentored by Jesus. They didn't trust him. They didn't like his vibe. He wasn't of the same move. They were mentored by Jesus, so they thought, you know, we're under the famous, I'm not saying, but I know how they act out here. We're under the famous guy. <laughs> you know? We're the only ones. We're the only ones mentored hand hewn, you know. So out here, Paul was like, he tried to fellowship with them, but he'd been known as a rascal. He had persecuted the church, the Christians, and no, you know, they didn't have social media to check out him. So they just were scared or they didn't like him, didn't respect him, didn't want him. So he went up for 14 years, 13, 14 years to Arabia. So Paul had to learn it. He said, I did not confer with flesh and blood. See, that's the opposite of most ministry. You better, you better be in, you know, we, you better be under us. You better be do this. You better be do that because we say so. Paul said he heard God. He heard God for himself. Thank God he did. We wouldn't have two thirds of the New Testament. <laughs> if we had, if he had been the maverick, the weirdo, the ostracized, you know, new kid on the block. Thank the Lord for those, you know, for being real. So he goes up for 14 years, he gets alone, he comes back, and there he's ready, to, and they let him co-labor. But he comes back to me as the epitome of a real office model. Whenever Paul writes about himself or uses the term of the office gifts of Ephesians 4, he says, pastor, prophet, apostle, teacher, all that. He says, evangelist, excuse me, he says, he writes it in lowercase letters servant leader not famous in fact he comes out that's one of my if i ever get to this <laughs> topic today about the king that's one of my lists to talk about first corinthians 3 and 1. all right when paul comes back their spirits you know witness that it's okay now paul is okay they can trust him or whatever so he starts to co-labor well he sent and he has to write because he writes all the churches with different kinds of conditions. And one of them is our model, Galatians. Galatians 1, 1 and 2 is Apostle Paul, and it's my call, all right? My call is 
like Paul, it says, I, Paul, sent out not by any one person, not by any one group. I am the brothers that are with me. So to me, I look at that and it says, look, Paul says, I'm sent out not by under famous so-and-so, brother or sister. I'm not under a mega so-and-so, some kind of famous group. I am sent out by the Lord weird in the days in which we live we're teaching so we're teaching it <laughs> it's a freedom it really is because of all the those strange weird demonic control in ministry right now it really is it's gotten out of hand it's just subversive and it's unholy it's just completely what i've said on another film it's like now we have almost the conagra of celebrated celebrated excuse me famous ministry and TV. It's now producing the followers that are injecting hormones into the, like the ConAgra agriculture business. They bought up all the wheat and the corn. They added synthetic additives to make it go farther and get more money out of the crop. And now it affected the wheat and the, that we eat and our bread and daily bread. And everybody's gained weight for 30 years. To me, it's a similar thing of the mega, mega ministry they didn't know it. Nobody could have figured it out, but it's happened. And we're out here with a weird population. We really are. All right, another story. So Paul is not a celebrity. He is sent. This time he's come into his season. He is received. So therefore, when he pins a letter this time to the Galatians church, to me, it witnesses this. They're really onto Paul about his doctrine about his covering. They've really got, he's hit a group that is very legalistic and very picky and examining Paul, who are you under? Are you submitted like we are? And that's what I've dealt with, believe me, a lot of them are like this out in the field, a lot of it in our country. So I, I love it when Paul says, you know, I'm not sent out by any one person. Any one group, I am the brothers that are with me. They're not under me. I'm not controlling them. I don't own them. I'm not in that government over them, shepherding. I am co-laboring. I'm a resource. I might have a different vibe or a different call, a different, you know, anointing or seasoning that you don't have, but we're here, not celebrity. I look at that because in the same chapter of Galatians, Paul rebukes the Galatians and says, who puts you back under witchcraft? What is witchcraft? It's control. It is false authority. It is lawlessness. It is going back under the law and saying, you know, we're right. You're under the, you know, you're not, you're out of order. You're in sin like they're doing now. A lot of them in their white. <laughs> okay. So I identify with Paul in his freedom. One reason that Galatians 5 is great. Oh, 1, 1, and 2 is great is because it allows me to say things that would be too horrifying, too liberated, or too, you know, to people that are really wanting, you know, Paul could say things and it would embarrass or get somebody in trouble if they were over him. But because had Paul had to have the freedom of God, of Christ, to do whatever he needed to say, that's why he could say it and he knew it wouldn't hurt anybody either if he said something off the wall. Now, if I go to somebody's church or your house or your business, I don't do this. I just do it on my turf, which is my call, like Deborah, all right? I can do it here, 
And if I'm invited to speak, I'll, and you want me to, I'll do it there. But right now I am believer in everybody to be respectful of everybody's boundaries. I'll discern your boundaries. I'll sit there and I'll just enjoy the Lord with you guys. And then when you're on, when I leave, I'm on my turf. I'll do what I need to do, what God wants. I like Paul in Galatians 1, 1 and 2, because he says, I and the brothers that are with me. There's too much control going on right now in some ministry. And everybody said, you got to be under, who are you under? All the legalism, all the, you know, Phariseeism. You, if you read Ode to Whelp at the top, my Ode to Whelp, collaborate of all the things I've seen and been through personally, Luke Eyewitness out in the field from the 90s up when prophecy groups, Christian charismatic, charismatica, if you read the Ode to Whelp, that is a sign of the fruit. This is where we're talking about fruit. We're not talking about the people. We're talking about the fruit. The Bible says to judge the fruit, correct the fruit, but not to hurt the people. We're not damning the people or speaking against them. We're saying warning, you know, prophet will warn. So when I get over, if I get to it in this message, we're getting over to 1 Samuel. My word of warning has been to a lot of these legalists that it's the Eli Temple I priesthood and it's gotten full of itself and it's pretty rotten and that it better self-judge before God brings judgment and removes. That's really what I've said for years. All right. When we go to the name of the Lord, that is the only one that is really important. Not my name, not your name. When we teach celebrity, we respect those who are in the higher offices, but there is no such thing as celebrity in the Bible. There is renown. This is a renown is a real Bible word that means you can say they have renown. I know them. I recognize them. When you look at the teaching that's out there in a lot of the rank and file in ministry, you're going to say, where have they been? <laughs> the Pharisees, Jesus openly rebuked the Pharisees in Matthew 23 in red letters, the whole chapter practically. Some of the things that are commonly expected, like having a father, a spiritual father, is totally warned against and corrected by Jesus. He says, don't say anybody's your father. Just say that God, the father of us all. Let's look it over at 1 Corinthians and Paul, uh, 1 Corinthians 1 and 3. When I teach about renown you can have greatness yes you can have greatness and there are people that are so rude and so undiscerning you need to school them about james 317 being respectful about having good manners about all the types of things but you don't make up a system a caste system which is what has happened all right the caste system means this it's not a family it's a bunch of rules and orders that you've got to obey or you're going to be on the outcast if you have a caste system and you typecast and they do typecast i'm their typecast of certain kinds the witch watcher kinds that's why i talk about it to save other people for the hassle you know they're trying to fellowship please god it's teaching false doctrine really so what you do is you you say if there's a if you have a system it's to bring in money like the pharisees it builds rules that everybody's got to keep in order so everybody's watching people to see if they're in order or out of order and it breeds accusation then you can have 
the blind followers where they're just producing and producing the same happy little, you know, conformists that maybe if something happened like a pandemic, I thought of this, <laughs> they would be desperate and clueless because they have no one to follow and tell them what to do. You know, and that's a lot of reason that Paul had in this and a lot for really teaching dependent on the Lord. That's what I teach. You can hear God. You can go to a million churches. I won't name call you as a church hopper. That's legalism. I'll just say, be careful who you're sitting under. Hear God. Don't be flaky, but commit to somebody if you feel it. Otherwise, start your own work, whatever. So there's a lot of teaching and a lot of hoopla, a lot of ministry and a lot of big ministry. But what is it doing with our nation? What has it done? I am for you, big minister. I have been for you. I've never talked against you. I never backbite. But I will say this. I am out here with the fruit for all these generations. And in the last several years, it has been not pleasant for the newbie. It is not pleasant for the atypical stranger. It is not pleasant if you are a typecasting who typecasts me because I now racial profile you back. I think, no, I've never been typecast by a Baptist or a black person. These people are white. Let me figure out which kind they are. So I'll start to study their doctrine, their look, their belief, their politics, their style. And that's what I got. Red state, white country. Back under the law is this subculture that accuses that is a prison house for somebody who is stuck around that and they're not under the law. They know their freedom in Christ and God has used me. Their worst typecast, <laughs> even though I sit there calmly like a Baptist, they can't handle me because they don't get me because they won't speak to me. That's what's so weird. That's what really gets my attention. I sit here and I trigger the scowls and stares of false doctrine. I've had witch watchers come over. It's really weird. You know, in my life, 30 years of this, I don't have it every week. That's why I'm very sensitive to this. I think God had told me on my journey, says, if you see something three times or more that hurts people or hurts me, don't take it personally, take it prophetically, but you are to train on it. That's why I teach on it so boldly. And when I was out in Dallas and I saw, I've never seen anything like this in my life. And I, then I realized my dad, excuse me, I realized that um, I'd seen some healthy ministers that were, <laughs> thank God I'd seen healthy, and that I realized the nation is greatly in dire need of a certain Jesus. What kind of Jesus are they teaching now? That's what I was thinking also. Is it the fancy Jesus, the celebrity Jesus? Is it the all-knowing Jesus? Is it the Mercenary Jesus, is it the plastic, phony, shallow, hell fellow, well-meant Jesus? What kind of Jesus is this? Is he a biased Jesus, a racist Jesus, a misogynist Jesus? No, that's the Eli Temple priesthood of 1 Samuel. So when I had plenty of time alone on the Isle of Plano, Jane on the Isle of Plano and around the area, even though I like my gym, I like Texas, I do, I like it. I just couldn't find a family feel. The doctrines and the bias and the religious spirit were just anti whoever this is, really, anti-female or anti-non-club member. I don't know. But anyway, we just, but see, when I go in there, I know I'm a very racially mixed person and I carry that energy. 
I'm very global. I'm very happy with internationals and all sites because I have a childlike quality and rhythm. I have rhythm, frankly. So I go in there and their spirit, it's a warfare <laughs> because that spirit is rigid. That spirit is control. That spirit is a Jezebel spirit. I found out through my all this that the more they look for Jezebels and are always buying and everybody, they won't talk to you. No, they don't speak, but they're always looking distancing, posturing, like a false prophet. That's really, who are the ones that jumped around, false, dodging and avoiding? That's, that's weird. You know, this is really weird. That's why I took off from that. I'm not a charismatic since 2012. But anyway, but we love and respect them as people made by God. But their doctrine, a lot of it is, needs evaluation. So we're teaching for the real person, whether anybody ever wants to hear it or not. I'm doing it for the Lord because some people, a few minority, may need to know their freedom and that they are not as evil as they make them. You know, it's their issue, their fault finding or their whelp issue, their double standard. You know, and so it really has made me really investigate doctrine and. Um, we don't want anyone to be linked in with the Pharisees of Matthew 8, 23, rebuked by Jesus. We don't want anyone ever to be in the ministry linked in to what Jesus said and warned about in Matthew 22, 7 or 7, 22. He said, whoa. He said, many of you will say, many of you Christians, many of you ministers. I mean, think how many there have been in this since Jesus came, he said there are going to be many. Many of you will say, Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I cast out devils? Didn't I do all these wonderful work and powers in your name? And he'll say, depart out with you, you who work lawlessness. And it means iniquity. It means false authority. When I looked up lawless, it means false of authority. If you're manipulating, conning, if you are posturing and avoiding not being real and, you know, false authority, putting up a front, there's a lot of mesmerizing, all sorts of power and charismatic play as well. Not all are doing it, but look at who it talks to. That was the shocking part. Matthew 7.22 addresses the tongue talker. It addresses the Holy Spirit kind, where it says, many of you said you prophesy. Man, I've been to some really good conferences where there's a lot of prophesying going on, but if that spirit of Jezebel watching is in that group, it'll find me. And to me, I've, I've, it's time for justice because the Bible teaches us in Isaiah 11 through, excuse me, Isaiah 1 through 3 and up to 5, it said in Isaiah 5:20, Woe, Isaiah the national prophet said to God's leaders, Woe for you that call good evil and good e evil good. Woe. The whole first 10 chapters was a message for right now in the last few years. Isaiah 1 through 3 says that because of the sins of God's own people, his people, not the far nations, all right, he said that they're little g gods, their false religion, and their vanity pride. Now they were withstanding the Holy Spirit in the nation. That is Isaiah 10, 27. In the middle of that is Isaiah 5.20. It says, woe to them. You're calling evil good and good evil. How can you do that now? 
you call somebody you've never spoken to based on their energy, based on their size, their look, their race, their style, you call them a witch, a warlock, a Jezebel, unsubmitted, and you spread that around and warn everybody and you've never talked to anybody. That is what we're talking about. That is what we're talking against. False teaching and warning this kind of crowd. It is huge around America. I would never have known about it had I not been sent to the Holy Spirit streams. It is within the streams of a movement, maybe good worship, good worship, maybe good teaching on Holy Spirit, maybe falling out of the power, maybe not. You can still get false teaching in the doctrinal bathwaters. That's my teaching. Yes, it looks good. Yes, they advertise as a church. Yes, they advertise. They've been around for years. You go there and if, like a prophet, I'm a prophet. If it's in their doctrinal bath orders, it's going to find it. And I will know it without doing anything except sitting there and showing up. That's really it. So on behalf of the body of Christ, all the flavors, we're teaching now against it and we respect all kinds. And also a real concern, <coughs> excuse me, for this kind of these people that they are touching God's anointing humans who show up as new visitors. First time repeated tenders, black, white, male, female. If I go in, one time I was in Dallas and I was trying to affiliate early on and I went to a group that was very famous, had held a big revival and they had their church far across town. So I went 45 minutes in the heat to get there. The first night I go there, and the head man is not there, they're Christian. And so during the worship is really good. They come over, the elders start to prophesy over me, like the first church. I thought, man, this is great. They said, Tabo, God has sent you here with a word for the leaders of this area, which is Dallas. I thought, yes, yes. So the next week I was all encouraged. I went back again. This time the head apostle was there. So I walked up just to say hi after the meeting. And all of a sudden that whelp spirit flared at me. Went, like they've seen evil. That's in our nation. That is so bad. So I went, oh, they're calling good evil, evil good. That person is not with us either. But anyway, I, um, cause that, that's just a little bit about that one person. <laughs> because I heard the, I mean, just going, God will allow you to know things that are just not hurt, that hurt people. So I went back after I tried to go and I wanted to join. I wanted to, you know, cause I'm a real good helper, but I went there and I told my black Pentecostal Bishop friend and his wife about what happened at that church. And see, I'm not a Pentecostal, but I know I could get in Pentecostal power. I know the Holy Spirit lots of ways, you know. So I went and told the bishop and his wife, and he said, you know, Tebo, I went to that church. They did the same thing to me. <laughs> and I thought, see, I knew it was not me. I knew it was a spirit. I knew it was about black people, too. It is. It's a racist spirit. So I've taught him well. I've did 20 parts. 20 long parts to debrief on um, YouTube slash Tavo Creative Leadership, but I'm going to redo it again. I need to do it again and make it more simple on Teammate University in June, teammateu.com, because nobody should be tricked or foolish enough to go where they're going to be 
character assassinated, disrespected, have racist bias, gender bias, or not truly know that you can trust the bathwaters. You need to be at least knowledgeable so that you can pick it up. Usually it comes with a scowl, a scowl of false doctor. So nothing, you know, we're not hard-hearted. We're very, but we're not fooled. This is it. We don't want to be fooled. And as a person who's not raised around the law or charismatics, I didn't know this existed, this wealth. Western European Levitical patriarchism, matriarchism, shepherding. All right, so we want to have the good shepherd, not controlling shepherding. Let's see. Well, I got off on a different spin, but at least it's giving the background of my life, what I do and why I'm saying these things. When you have a call in your life as a prophet, that would mean you're going to get there fast. And if anything's like Noah, 40 years, 43 years on this. But the Lord said, you'll do this one day. Well, I didn't know how long and wild this day was, but now it is the season. I'm not embedded, but I'm there for the body. And we're for not their critic, but to help you. Even if you're shepherding, we understand that you have been through a lot yourself and nobody's perfect. We're not either. But we want to make it a new day because God wants it a new day. So we've got to teach to, on the future church. So my goal is to teach on the future church, but you can't really walk into the future completely if you've not cleansed yourself of the old. Really? Get rid of the dross, the arrogance, the stylized tradition of the fault-finding Pharisee. We've got to get rid of that. And all of us work on ourselves. I would say, if anything, let's not have Phariseeism in the new mood. I would say, if anything, all of us, including myself, let's work on, this is not a superiority. Let's let's work on our, get rid of any, it's got to be humble, an humble move of God. you got to work, i got to work on it. You've got to work on it. It's not a racist thing. It's about everyone thinking green and the love of the Lord. That didn't mean you don't stand up and talk about it not being a racist. I do. I've always done that. So we're going to make it a years ago. It's sort of funny years ago in the eighties, nineties in Virginia. I think it was, I started hearing all the revival talk. Everybody wants revival. Nobody wants to live to get revival, but they want to talk about it. So they would say, it's going to be, we hear this word from the Lord. It's going to be a nameless, faceless move of God. However, have you ever seen so many people following faces? <laughs> And right, Nina, they don't risk. That's what I found in Dallas. This is why I'm here for mega church, really, the off scouring of the mega church. They, if you're not famous in some of these Christian groups, not where I was today, not where they're very diverse, but if you're not famous and you're new, they treat you with no respect. You are not valued. You are. It is just a scary thing for our nation. That's why I'm teaching on it. So there's okay to have renown. It's okay to say, yes, we're already using these terms famous and mega and all that. It's too late because it is mega. But I'm going to teach on why in my next part, it's going to be, I'm going to do a new one about the, so when we got our king, when the people demanded a king, that could be a mega ministry too. That's what I'm going to tie it into. Bottom line is nobody's going to know it all. Nobody's going to hear it all. Nobody's going to think it all. I'm going to leave out stuff that is for you, the noble Berean, to pick apart and analyze, evaluate, use what you feel is hay, throw out what is dross. I'll do the same with your move and anybody else's move. This might be a mega move here. I really believe we have one. But we don't want to have to make it a big deal. 
We just want to make it like, oh, everybody like Jesus going about doing good. Divine appointment, not celebrity. When you get over to celebrity, Paul hated the celebrity. One reason. I really now know why. Don't say I'm for Paulos, famous Paulos, famous bishop, famous, you know, teacher, famous Paul. I'm for Jesus. That lowers the bottom line. What I found is, i got to do a whole one. I can't do this. One. This is too much detail. And uh, you want to make sure the common man doesn't feel not good enough and worthy to go. The other thing is doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Once you get, if you're in the wrong spirit and you don't have revealed hierarchy, order, you can turn into the doctrine of Nicolaitans, which the Lord hates in the rebuked lampstand of Church of Ephesus, Revelation 2. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans were Nike, means Nico means Nike to control, and Laos is the people that use of controlling doctrines. It could be subversive scanning. It could be backbiting or just peer pressure. It could be performance pressure. It could be this in crowd, out crowd, which is out there big time. And a lot of America, it really is. Anyway, we're for the body of Christ. We're thankful for the good teaching from Mega Ministry, from Michael Ministry. But I want to thank my dad, who's up in heaven, never would have known his name, would be so valued and so respected as just a model of a real Christian to his daughter. And we honor you if you're like that and all the others that are just like it, whose names are not known except by the Lord. And when we get there, we'll all gather before the throat together. Isn't that amazing? Yay! God bless you. He loves you. This is Tavo DRC. Bye-bye.